Welcome to Radiance Reclaimed. I'm your host, Andrea Walker, and after seeking a deep level of meaning in my own life for years, I realized that the way to fulfill my own soul mission is to support you in discovering yours. I'm so glad you found your way to this podcast, where my mission is to help you to break through old stories that hold you back and to inspire you to shine your radiant light bright with joy. Let's get started. Let's talk about purpose and more specifically the purpose sphere in the Gene Keys, but I want to preface it by saying that you don't need to know anything about the Gene Keys for this conversation today. This is a conversation about purpose, and I don't think there's a human alive who doesn't have some amount of time spent contemplating their purpose. So this conversation and this sharing today is going to be useful to you, whether you know and love the work of the Jinkies or not. So I want to start with this idea about what purpose is and then talk a little bit more specifically And hopefully that will all be really helpful too in considering your purpose when you are considering what shape that might take, maybe bringing a different perspective for you that could be useful. So the purpose sphere in the Jinkies is the fourth in the activation sequence. It anchors the chart down there at the bottom. It's the bottom one and it, it has a connection to the subconscious. It's part of the more subconscious prime gifts the radiance and the purpose sphere. And it is one of what we call the prime gifts. So one of those four prime gifts that are so important, life's work, evolution, radiance, and purpose. And it's able to express because of the work that's done up to then. The pathway between the radiance sphere and the purpose sphere is called core stability. So that work that you've done up to now in contemplating those archetypes and those spheres and transmuting those shadows gives you the core stability to express more of the gift frequency of your purpose. And that makes sense, right? Through the challenges of life, you've grown, you've found maturity, you have gotten clear on your path. And so you're able to live more in a response rather than a reaction. But this particular quality of purpose is fascinating when looked at from the standpoint of it's more of a being than a doing. It's more about a quality of consciousness than it is about a specific achievement. And I actually think this relates so well to the work of Eckhart Tolle. Many of you know, I'm a huge fan of his work, The Power of Now, and he has uh, writings on purpose as well. And he has the idea of inner purpose as compared to outer purpose, and it just aligns perfectly. And that is outer purpose is that specific, the goal that you have in mind, the business you're creating, the children you're raising, the garden you're growing, all of those things, keeping yourself healthy and serving in your community and all of those things that you might consider purpose. Those are outer purpose and inner purpose, which is more of what we are really considering and working with here. Of course, it's all related is that quality of consciousness. It's that quality of consciousness. It's that how well are you responding to life rather than reacting to life? 
And I love this idea of if you want to access the gift of your purpose, contemplate nature. This is a quote from Richard Rudd, and it makes so much sense. We'll talk about this again in a minute, but it makes so much sense in terms of if you think about the calming power of nature, if you think about that grounding influence that you feel, and I just got back from this great walk through the forest and that way that our body just comes into regulation, it brings us into that place where we can be more in that state of our being, that quality of consciousness of a timeless equanimity. And it also reminds me of the quote that I love to share that's in the beginning of the I Ching book, the quote by D.H. Lawrence, which goes, the only true aristocracy is that of consciousness. And it hints at that kind of achievement, a different kind of achievement, a different kind of elevation or accomplishment and the accomplishment of refining the quality of your consciousness, which if you think about it, if you just think about it, what an incredible thing. If you were able to become that calm, grounded person, that state of equanimity and balance in response and a sense of a higher purpose more often than not, that is so powerful. That is the energy of a leader. That is the energy of somebody that people look up to for guidance. That is the energy of a certain kind of strength and a certain kind of benevolent leadership, which I'll talk about again. And there's a reason why I see it through that lens and you'll see it through slightly different lens. So the Gene Keys asks the question, what if we were to think of our purpose as more of a journey to evolve into a grounded and calm presence and less about an outward accomplishment? And this is a beautiful way to turn this journey on its ear. And it's very liberating for one. It removes the hierarchy of accomplishment and it restores the understanding that this dimension, this 3D experience is a classroom of learning experience. And it's what we do with that experience that is the potentially valuable outcome for ourselves. It's not the dollars in your bank account. It's not the car or the home or the trips or the certifications or the acknowledgements. And all of those things might be part of your story. And that's fantastic. But there is a true democracy, a kind of democratic element to this that anyone can access this work of evolving consciousness. Anyone can achieve at the highest level whenever they so choose to do so by understanding this idea. And that goes to D.H. Lawrence and his concept that the only true aristocracy is that of consciousness. It's really a beautiful turning the tables on conventional thoughts about purpose and achievement and so on. So the purpose sphere, that the one that you have in your chart, can give incredible shape to your contemplation. And again, what a blessing. Every single one of these, what a blessing to be given a roadmap. Hey, you want to come closer to your purpose? Maybe check out this specific gene key that just happens to be in your purpose sphere. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, really. I mean, who doesn't want to know what that is? I mean, really, right? And most likely it's going to really resonate with you. Most likely you may not like the shadow when you first see it, but most likely when you get your unique profile and your unique gene key in line, you are just going to go, ah, oh, wow, wow. 
And the more you get into it and the more you have your lived experience with what it is, the more resonant it will become and the more it will show light on your path of clarity. And so this archetype, this gene key that's in your sphere at the bottom of your chart, it's going to give you a resonant archetype to work with. So it's going to give you a kind of starting point or a portal to go very deep, very quickly into this quality of consciousness that represents the essence of your purpose of being here. And I'll give you an example, I'll give you a story of what I think is a good resonance of this from my own chart. I love to share from my own chart because it's my own lived experience. So the stories from my chart are very personal and they feel like I can tell them with clarity. And so in my purpose sphere, I have archetype 34, which is the way of strength in the I Ching. And I tell everyone, it's always really interesting to go look up the hexagram for your gene keys in any of your spheres. It's so enlightening. You know, the I Ching is an ancient text, so it has a very old kind of language to it, and you have to extrapolate a bit. And that's what's so beautiful about the Gene Keys. It's a modernized version, but you can get a lot from looking at the hexagram that is the root of the Gene Key. It's that same frequency, it's that same vibration, and now it's personalized for you in your profile. Again, amazing. So I have 34, which is the way of strength. It's the shadow of force, the way of strength, and the the city or elevated essence of majesty. In the I Ching, it is possession in, oh wait, no, I have that. I have that wrong. Hold on. Let me look up the exact one because sometimes the words are a little, I have my book right in front of me. So I get you the exact words so I don't make it get the wrong order. And it is the power of the great. I was almost going to say in great measure, but it's the power of the great. And it's a kind of leadership archetype, but it's also that shadow is about a very brutal kind of energy that was needed for humans to survive for millennia. It's likened to kind of the force that's required for the seed to germinate out of its shell. And it's that kind of survival instinct of humans force. And so that force energy, that's a shadow. And then you go into that and transmute that and it becomes strength. It becomes the ability to stand strong, the ability to see strength in others, to live from a place of strength. And then that elevated essence, the city is majesty, which some, took me a long time to kind of really understand what that is. But in the book, he uses the analogy of this tiny old monk that subdues a strong thug that was being violent simply by talking to him. And my story of that majesty, probably the closest I've ever been to that frequency in huge measure was when I was in college, I was in photography class one day and we had an amazing photography teacher, Barry Perlis at Cornell. And I was, I think, in my third year and we were actually in the photography class. And he happened to be someone who was really into photography in Nepal and had traveled quite a bit, India and Nepal. 
he was very excited because at that time, the Dalai Lama was doing his tour of the United States. I think this must have been 1991-ish or so. And he was doing a tour of North America. And he just happened to be stopping at the Cornell campus. And that day, that evening, he would be speaking to a crowd of 20,000 or so at Baton Hall, this big hall where you could gather that many people. And I didn't actually have tickets to that. I'd kind of heard about it. But I knew that they were creating a sand mandala in the art museum, the Johnson Art Museum, which was on the corner. It was in the building, just two buildings over from where we were in this photography class. And the monks that he traveled with were creating one of those beautiful, intricate sand mandalas that's 10 or more feet across and takes a week of shaving these little shavings of fine sand into these incredible designs. And at the end of that time, they destroy it. They throw it into the wind or dump it into the lake as this kind of tribute to impermanence. And the Dalai Lama was going to be walking across the arts quad in front of our building that afternoon to go view this sand mandala. And so our professor, Mr. Perlis said, okay, we have to all, it's probably about 20 of us. We have to go out to the path. He's going to be walking right across. So we went out to the path in front of our building and there was probably maybe a hundred, couple hundred students and professors professors that had just come out for this walk across and we lined the path right outside the museum and the Dalai Lama came along that path and took a pause and stopped at each person along that path and shook their hand. And so there was this moment that I'll never forget where the Dalai Lama stopped in front of me and shook my hand. And there I was probably at that time, about 19 years old. I must have had a grin so big that it was threatening to split my face right open, just giddy with standing there, shaking the hands of the Dalai Lama. And the energy from this human was so warm and delightful. And when I think back, that to me is that sense of majesty, that sense of benevolent leadership. And he didn't have to do anything to be able to sense that energy around him. And so that's that kind of divine essence. And so I look to that kind of quality as a navigation for okay, if I could hope to even model my sense of purpose on that kind of energy. So I invite you to find that in your own, in your own chart with your own gene key. You have something there that is every bit as magnificent and inspiring. You have a acidic frequency there that you can find an example in your own life that you've had that connection with and that can be a navigational tool for you that can help you to understand what that is to simply be in purpose in that quality of consciousness. I'd actually be so excited to hear what they are for you. And so let's back up just a little bit. And I want to share a couple thoughts about literally how you can work with that archetype even further so that you can get a better understanding for yourself of what your purpose is, what your quality of consciousness is, and what are the forces that block you from that. You know, mine is literally force. I know when I'm forcing something or if I'm engaging with something that feels forced, 
then that's going to be block it. And what does that mean? So another thought before we get to that, you know, if your purpose is meant to be the quality of your consciousness, then it makes sense that your purpose is designed to be unlocked by life through the challenges and growth that we go through. So let me read that one more time. If your purpose is meant to be the quality of your consciousness, then it makes sense that your purpose is designed to be unlocked by life through all of those challenges and growth that you go through in every moment. And your deepest purpose is simply to be. And so your shadow, when you're looking at that archetype, your shadow is what causes you to miss those moments in your life where you can simply be. And again, mine is force. So if I'm forcing something, I'm going to miss those magical moments where I can just be in that elevated consciousness, that place of equanimity. The shadow pulls you away from the joy of life. So how does your shadow pull you away from the joy of life? And of course, in a general sense, we can totally get that, right? There's so many shadows out there. But how does your specific shadow that you have in that sphere pull you away from the joy of life? And it's also a place where you're reacting instead of responding. So if I'm forcing something, if I'm feeling like really stressed out, I'm like, I got to get this done and I got to do it this way and I'm going to just doesn't feel right and I'm tired, but I'm just going to push through and just do it. Or I'm trying to get my point across, even though it's not a good situation to do that or whatever it is, then yeah, I'm not going to be enjoying life and I'm going to be in a place of reaction instead of responding. So this gives you the corollary that when you are living your highest purpose, you're going to be living from a place of this kind of deep seated calm. The gift frequency is that place, that deep seated calm, that place of responding that quality of consciousness that is creative and nourishing and mine is strength and all that that means on all levels. And so when I'm in that frequency, I'm much more a place that feels supportive and nourishing to those around me that feels calm and grounded. That's adding something to the situation in a positive way. Now I didn't get there without traveling through the shadow first. That's for all of us. The gift is within the shadow. We have the grit of dealing with our shadow that gets us to the gift. And isn't that true of life, right? All of those difficult experiences, all of those experiences where we get in our own way, they soften our edges and they help us to come into that place of wisdom where we can be calm and grounded and be that force of nourishment for others. And then the Siddic essence is that kind of buried treasure, that kind of sense of an ideal. And I wrote from the book, it's an ideal you are here to bring onto the physical plane. How humbling, really, when you consider it. When you consider your city, how humbling and how inspiring that every single one of us has this divine essence that is amazing to think about, to contemplate, that is an ideal that we are here to bring to the physical plane simply by our being. What a beautiful idea. And I just want to close this episode by reading a quote from the book that I think is very profound and is a great place to end this contemplation for today. And here it goes. Those of us who are privileged enough to have time to contemplate our purpose have a special responsibility to the earth to bring this essence into the world. There still exists much suffering in the world. And every time we incarnate even a small aspect of the greater ideal of a better world, we fulfill our higher purpose. At the level of frequency of the cities, your purpose is no longer your purpose. It becomes a selfless collective impulse to serve the whole. 
And isn't that just so beautiful? And he goes on to say, when you contemplate the city of your purpose, you are touching the deepest, most hidden possibility of your life. If you were to contemplate nothing else, this alone would be enough to bring a powerful transformation into your life. So with that, I'll close this episode and leave you to the contemplation of your purpose. I invite you to get yourself out into nature, to regulate with the rhythm of the earth, to bring yourself into that kind of communion with the earth, to touch that sense of that being rather than doing, and to get in touch with the essence of your purpose archetype. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Thank you for listening. If this episode has inspired you, I'd so appreciate if you left me a review. It really makes a difference. You can also find me on Instagram at Andrea J. Walker Radiance, middle initial J. And you can join my private Facebook community at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Radiant Prosperity. See you next week.